you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. The Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your Monday Best Best episode and our futures look in the National Basketball Association for January 29th. Thanks for being with us. Glad to have you with us. Make sure that if you're listening to this, you're also downloading the Action Network app. You can find all sorts of cool stuff on there. You're going to have lots of Super Bowl content. Lots of Super Bowl content about the MVP of the league. No, no, he's, he's not in it. No, that's that's not what's good. But, you know, those Bills, whoever would have futures on there. No, no, they're not in there either. You could not live with your own failure. Where did it lead you? Back to Mahomes. Uh, you can find all sorts of great Super Bowl content there. College basketball season. Look, football's good. No football next weekend. It's that time. Start getting ready for college basketball. You can do that with the Action Network app. Start tracking picks, finding our, our experts' analysis, breakdowns, best bets, all that stuff, as well as, hey, Great time to start betting the NBA. So we got all that stuff for you in the app as well as on youtube.com slash the action network. You can catch all sorts of great stuff on there. We're going to be doing more live shows for the NBA now that football is wrapping up. So make sure to keep it tuned to youtube.com slash the action network. On today's show, I'm joined as I am every Monday by the future Jays. I got Jim Turvey. He's on Twitter and in the action network app at Turvey Bets and Joe Delera, master of the elevator escalator. You can find him on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Joe Delera. Uh, thanks for joining me, guys. All right, we're going to start off as we do all the time here on the Monday show with our best bets. And then today we're going to talk about the New York Knicks, the injury of Julius Randle, how to bet Knicks futures with how they played lately. They've been so impressive, but they, do, they are without, you know, all of their front court. We'll talk about them. Plus, we will talk about Joel Embiid's decision. Uh, sorry. The, the training staff's decision, uh, forgive me, for uh, Joel Embiid not to play in Denver. Only eight games left, no, seven games left before he is ineligible for the MVP. We'll talk about how to bet that market as well. But let's get started with best bets. This slate is tasty. we got 12 games. we got enough games to make good decisions. Lines are really good. We're on some of the same crossover spots. Uh, let's go ahead and go around the table, and we'll give our best bets. Joe Dallara, let's start with you. What are your best bets for Monday in the association? All right, I like Denver minus four against the Milwaukee Bucks. I like OG and Anobi over 18 and a half points. And I like uh, Jarrett Allen over 10 and a half rebounds against the Los Angeles Clippers. All right, Jim Turvey, your best bets for Monday. Yeah, this is basically the inverse of last week where we all hated the slate. I think we all absolutely adore the slate tomorrow. So I've got a bunch. I got uh, Utah Jazz money line. I got Spurs minus three and a half. I got Thunder minus two and a half. And I have the Nuggets first quarter. All right. Uh, I've got the Denver Nuggets minus four, some with Joe. I've got the Oklahoma City Thunder minus two, some with Jim. I've also got the under 232.5 in Pal Celtics, and I've got the over 232.5 in Utah, Brooklyn. So we've got a lot of places we can start. Let's start with Denver since all three of us are on that game. Um, Jim, why don't you go first? Give me the first quarter look for why you like the Nuggets matching up with the Bucks. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo was a they first popped the injury report and it was clean. And then he was listed as questionable with an illness. So maybe he also is going to duck Nikola Jokic in Denver. Um, but I don't, I doubt it personally. I think he probably plays. He's also listed as probable. 
uh, on the report. Uh, why do you like the Nuggets minus uh, whatever the line is? Probably one, I would guess, for this uh, in the money on uh, the spread with the Nuggets in the first quarter. Yeah, I would guess it would be one, maybe one and a half. I don't see it getting past two. I'm going to like any number they post for it, basically. Um, they hit the the Nuggets first quarter home uh, against the spread has been a wagon for a while now. Um, this year is just a continuation of a trend that they've seen for you know, their home court in general is great. And they, you know, Jokic gets a lot of minutes in the first quarter. Combine those two. They've been absolutely amazing in the first quarter against the spread for a long time. Uh, they're 16 and six ATS. Uh, in the first quarter this season, uh, this is a Bucks team that struggles in the first quarter. They're 18 and 26 and two against spread in the first quarter. But overall, I was leaning towards the Nuggets for the full game as well, uh, in part because of this debut of Doc Rivers coaching. I think a way to target that even more, the first quarter with a new coach is the most inexperienced the, the team will get. You know, They can kind of grow into it over time, over games, maybe even over quarters if they pick it up quick. The the very start of Doc's career is going to be this first quarter. We'll see how they, you know, if they come out scheming already. But uh, Denver at home, regardless, is is a really good team in that first quarter. So I think just hyper-targeting that first quarter market is where I'm going to be for this game specifically. Uh, so this is what's interesting, and this is why I love the workshop, is... I have like I have ever, I have what I feel is a strong cap on this game. I feel very confident in this pick. I think it's absolutely the right side. Uh, Joe, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the floor to give the cap, but there are certain elements of this that I think that I'm going to push back on, even as I take the same side. But go ahead and give me your cap for the full game. Nuggets minus four. Yeah, so I'm gonna echo a lot of what Jim said about Doc Rivers. You know, his first game coaching the team. Obviously, he's been watching the team. You know, consulting the team, being an advisor to the team um, throughout the course of the season. So I know that there's obviously some familiarity, but I do think that having him on the sideline changes the dynamics like a little bit. Um, the other thing is honestly, like Denver after that, like really gross win over the Sixers who didn't play anybody um, who were led by B-Ball Paul. Uh, I, I think that Denver, you know, might want to lock in and try to win this game against another, you know, title contender um, and really kind of push and defend home court before going out on the road against OKC uh, for a game. Um, additionally, over the course of the season, Denver's been pretty solid at home, whereas Milwaukee, they have a positive net rating on the road, uh, but it's it drops pretty precipitously. It's not nearly as good um, at only plus 1.2. So I think that Denver's been better overall. Uh, you know, on dunks and threes, uh, Denver is uh, plus 4.9 in terms of adjusted net, uh, whereas Milwaukee is plus 2.9 in adjusted net. And I think that the, like, you know, I don't think it's necessarily likely that Giannis sits. Um, um, you know, he's not uh, I don't think that he's trying to duck anybody, uh, for example. But um, I do think that, you know, given the fact that he is on the injury report, um, you know, the injury reports have been a little bit tough to depend on lately. Uh, but I do think that given the fact that he is on the injury report, there is that like slight added chance that maybe he doesn't play. And then like this line really does skyrocket the other direction. So I, I like Denver minus four and I'll, I'll lay those points at home. So I like a lot of what you said there about their, their road performance and things like that. I'll push back on the Doc point. Doc's not going to change anything. Yeah. Like they're going to run the same defensive scheme that they've they've always run. And they're not necessarily going to – I don't think he's going to install a new playbook. So I don't think that you're going to see like – they don't have – Doc doesn't have time to install anything here. So they just got to go back to basic to, – to base plays that they know and are familiar with. Now the good news is, is like guess what? Everybody in the NBA runs the same shit. So it's totally fine. Uh, and even if you're throwing out some of what Griff did, and also, like, why would you do that? The offense was great. You just need to fix the defense. And the defense is basically, let's get out of some of the nonsense that we've been running, and let's get back into more simplistic stuff. And a lot of that is, like, the same stuff that they got them in trouble with with Bud will be a problem here, where it's like, look, Brooke, they want to play drop. They want a title play and drop. And they are the best drop team in the league when they are executing well, which they have not at all year. Um, I get that, but it will be very simple for for Doc to just simplify things, which is like, hey, you know, we're going to drop everything here. We'll blitz on these specific sequences. Um, we will drop in, in kind of pick and roll coverage versus the the Nuggets, et cetera. And like, they'll just want to get into those very basic rhythms. He's not going to like come in and do a complicated game plan for this first game. This is a bad matchup for Milwaukee. They've struggled with Denver historically. And then you throw on top of it that this is a home game. Now, look, power rating, if we get, if I give the Nuggets, a standard home court advantage. I have this as, as Nuggets minus one. The Bucks have been a better team on the aggregate of the season than the Nuggets, even with the struggles of Adrian Griffin and the defense being so bad. That's how good the offense has been. 
that said, when the Bucks are on the road, they are worse, especially with the bench. And guess what? The Nuggets bench is night and day. Reggie Jackson's a plus 14 in net rating at home. He's like a minus 13 on the road. It is stark guy to guy to guy. Their bench plays well at home with the crowd behind them. They will run. They will exhaust the team in altitude. Even if Giannis plays, he's sick. Not great for a guy that's got to motor up and down the court in altitude. This is a, a, a low line versus that. I've got this because Denver's home court is so good. I do have it at six. So two points of value. I'll go ahead and lay it with the Nuggets. I agree with um, most of the points, but I do think that the Doc stuff is more, it might be weird, but the best thing Doc's going to do is just be like, no more fucking around. Let's just do what you guys know how to do. And I think that will help them. I just don't think it will help them in this particular spot, Jim. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, it, but to to the point of if if things do stay the same, these Bucks have gotten off to slow starts in first quarters all season. They're five yeah. and fifteen on the road against the spread in the first quarter, so that has been an issue. So unless you think he's going to solve it, which I think would be a very quick solve, uh, you have one of the best starting teams at home in the first quarter and one of the worst starting teams on the road in the first quarter. So if things stay the same, that works for me as well. All right, let's go to let's jump on over to Thunder. Um, Thunder here are on a five and seven. We did the breakdowns of the numbers with the Joe. Joe asked me to, to pull these. Uh, the Thunder are small favorites, but they are a home favorite. Home favorites, they are five and seven. Um, uh, going back to 2003, 286 and 301 and five at 49%. So slightly below 50%. That's not within the range of it being super profitable to fade them. Um, I think this number is light. I think OKC, especially off of that loss to the Pistons, will respond with a good effort. That was a, that was, if I wasn't distracted by certain events, I probably would have circled in that game as like, oh, this is a great look ahead spot. Like the Thunder are looking ahead for the Wolves game. The Wolves have not been the same team over the last two months that they were to start the season. That's pretty normal. They're still very good. They're just not the same team. The Thunder have been remarkably consistent. They're coming off of a loss. I trust Mark Dagonal off of what is not an in-con, like that's not a bad road trip or, or uh, flight at all. Detroit to OKC. Well, maybe they got hung up or something. But in general, I don't think that the, the travel here is going to hit them necessarily as hard. I like the matchup with how they're able to space the floor versus the Wolves that want to compact that paint. I like their three-point edge versus an, a, a uh, Wolves offense that struggles, uh, continues to struggle a lot in terms of their offensive floor. So, Jim, I like this play quite a bit. I'm willing to lay it with a team that's on five and seven. Uh, I laid it with two and a half. There's a Thunder minus two in the market as well. Yeah, I, I echo a lot of what you just said. I also think a huge factor in this is uh, the Timberwolves without Mike Conley have looked very, very, very human. Um, he did yeah. not make my list of players, the Jalen Johnson All-Stars. Uh, he is a late addition. He is uh, an injury replacement to to be in there because he is absolutely a player that when he is missing, I'm be looking to feed the Wolves. So he's questionable right now. But even if he does play, I'm going to like this. You said it's a light number. I agree. I Even with this being a five and seven for the Thunder, I would a, a, a Thunder team on its fifth game in seven nights over a Timberwolves team with one day of rest. I'm saying the Thunder are a better team at this point, and they have a solid home court. I really like the matchup as well. Uh, Gobert is not as useful in a game against the Thunder when he's getting spread out potentially by um, some of OKC's bigs. Uh, since the calendar turned over, the Wolves are just eight and seven. They really, you mentioned the last two months, but even more specifically, the defense just hasn't been that as overpoweringly dominant and the offense has really notably slipped if you watch the games recently anthony edwards he, he was sick you know in a couple of games so maybe it's potentially that but he some of those really tough jumpers those especially those bankers he was getting early in the season those haven't been hitting at quite as high a rate it makes me think that maybe you know some of that was a little bit of shooting luck and his numbers are going to come back down a little bit i still like this wolves team i think they're a, a strong team if conley plays i'd have this around uh okc minus four so not a, a monster monster edge but if he's out i'm you know i'm, I'm basically going to take you know, almost a whatever number with with Conley being out because he's so essential to keeping their offense from stalling out and just turning into and, you know, fade those little like turnaround jumpers and cat trying to either overpower dudes and turning the ball over or, or sitting on the perimeter. So uh, definitely keep an eye out for Conley, but I, I don't hate grabbing the number here regardless. Um, and then if the if the Conley news comes out, you can add even a little bit more later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Uh, let's jump over to Wizard Spurs. So you're wanting to lay the three and a half with San Antonio. Why do you like that spot? Spurs are a team that I'm I'm really looking at lately. So with the Wemby at center and the Wemby in more minutes, that's just two for two good news right there. Um, we've we've seen the last couple games, they have a nice win. They've got some tight losses, some covered some spreads. Wemby Yama is amazing. I'm I'm not breaking news here. He is so good, and he has he. It's not just the the surface level stats. The impact stats are there too. Well, I was looking this up on NBA.com. This guy broke my brain. I had to check it with people. And make, am I reading this right? Their best five-man lineup. So, And I'm not saying best by numbers. I'm saying if you take their five best players, if you take the lineup that if most of us were coaching the team, we'd put out there. You can argue about the, the fifth person on this. But Trey Jones, uh, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Victor Wimbanyama, Jeremy Sohan, that has a plus 32.8 net rating in 60 minutes. And that was wow. the, the lineup that yeah. closed out against uh, the Wolves the other night. And looked really good. That's that's an amazing. Like if if Pop wants to press that button more, he's going to be able to press that button more. So against a Wizards team that lost this exact matchup at home a little over a week ago, and really doesn't have any of these kind of hidden fat buttons that they can just hit over time because they're just not as good a roster. I think this well, number should be a lot bigger. Is this the first game uh, with the new coach? Who even got announced? I I truthfully do not know who's coaching the Wizards. That's a good question. Does, oh. it, does it matter? One of the three of us <laughs> should know that. This is a good time for the NBA Experts show. Let me tell you. Google. Uh, I, I'm literally Googling it right now, and it still says Wes on Cell Jr. So. Oh, it's Brian, it's Brian Keefe. He's good. Brian Keefe's good. Okay. And, well, and I, they're 1-0. and Hey. Because they, well, the they did win their most recent game against Detroit. They, they, beat, they beat the Pistons. So, but the good news here is you're no longer getting the fire coach bump, so you're avoiding that. So that's good. There you go. Um, I so my num my model has has performed very has performed terribly with Spurs at home. It's just been off on them, off them, whatever. So they're one of the teams that I've kind of marked out here. Um, I, like additionally, my model tends to be like the Wizards aren't that bad. I've talked about this before. My my model is very much like the Wizards aren't that bad, and then the Wizards play, and I'm like, they're so bad. They're so, and the model's like they're not that bad, and so I'm caught in this loop with them. Uh, I'm gonna stay away from this one. I like I get the spot in particular. This is a pretty good matchup with Gafford versus um, Weminyama for the remainder of however long Gafford is there. I think he gets traded before the deadline. Yeah. Uh, 50-50, I'll say he gets traded before the deadline. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that I, I can't blame you for taking the spot. I just uh, I don't feel like I can trust either team here. And San Antonio has been weird at home for me, so I'm going to go ahead and stay away based off of the model. But uh, I appreciate the play. Let's go to Joe. And let's go to OG Anobi over 18 and a half because I got some thoughts on this next game. Hit me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really interesting with Randall, right? Like it looks like Randall's going to miss at least the next like couple of weeks, if not a month. Like we'll, we'll see. I mean, Steph Curry, when he had the like a similar injury last year, dislo- partially dislocated. I don't know how you partially dislocate, but whatever. But I'm not a doctor. Um, partially dislocated shoulder. He missed 11 games, three weeks uh, without Randall. Um, the Knicks are going to be dying for some usage here. Uh, Randall was second in the team in usage, almost the same, honestly, as Brunson. And without RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly, there's like nobody even close. Like there's nobody else in the 20s uh, in terms of 20% usage rate. Um, OG Ananobi's at 14% right now. And I think that that's even with him kind of leading the second unit. Um, it looks like that's the way that Tibbs has kind of decided to use him to kind of try to give him that offensive role that he wanted. Um, I think this is a pretty good opportunity for him to kind of seize the moment and for Tibbs to say, like, look, man, like we need we need somebody to score. 
Uh, I don't think that he's necessarily the best scorer, but we did see him, you know, perform pretty well. Uh, we've seen him perform pretty well so far with the Knicks, um, but we also saw him perform pretty well with his time at the Raptors. If like Siakam was out, if Barnes was out, um, if they were missing some other guys. So I do think that there's some room for him to grow here. He's been hitting his points prop. Of, uh, it's been about uh, 13 and a half, 14 and a half. Um, I think that given the void, that Randall, you know, is like giving up essentially that this is pretty significant. Um, and there's a good opportunity for him to kind of excel in the last five games alone. Uh, he's exceeded the 18 and a half and three of five, a couple games at 19, a game at 26 against Denver. Um, I do think that this is a good opportunity for him and he should see a pretty significant usage bump. Um, so I like him to go over the 18 and a half. I think it's just, uh, a touch low given the fact that there's so much volume that needs to be taken and without quickly without Barrett like McBride is fine but like he doesn't fit the same role and Josh right. Hart like isn't really capable of creating his own shot in the same way that I think OG Ananobi is even though OG like is a little stiff sometimes like when he's got the ball in his hand and he's not just being used as a cutter yeah uh the lie on this is interesting so i have it it's it's five i have it nine with everybody healthy if you take out like adjusting for mitchell if you take out julius randall um i have him based off of estimated wins this season at dunks and threes i have him at a spread value of 3.8 take the combined contributions of the guys that'll play behind him in his stead and it's like a point so let's put it at 2.8 so this does move me to like what seven six point two is where I get it at. I am not going to do it because I do not want to bet on the Charlotte fucking Hornets. However, I have a trend for the spread betters in this game. The Knicks just played the Heat. Teams have to play the Miami Heat this season. Thirteen and thirty-two straight up, friends. Teams after playing Miami have won twenty-nine percent of their games against the spread. 16 and 29 for 36%. Yeah. Playing Miami makes you miserable. I'll say that's an interesting spread, uh, like trend too, because the Knicks are undefeated against teams below 500 on the season straight up. So it's definitely like, and I think it's 19 and 0 or 20 and 0 right now. So there's a lot of, a lot of competing trends on this game. Like I I could see maybe wanting to grab them against the spread. I think LaMelo is on the report. Um, so, and the line has actually moved since I, in like the 10 minutes that we've been recording, the line moved from like five to, I think there's already some sevens popping in the market within. Oh, son of a bitch. I'm going to bet the Hornets. It, it's been, it's been, it's, it, it's moved like fast. Cause I was thinking about it and I was like, ah, like, I don't know. I want to know about LaMelo, um, given, especially given the fact they played Miami. So, uh, but it's definitely an interesting spot and I can see that the Hornets are buzzing in your ear right now. <laughs> I was nice. I will say right now that eight will be a buy. Eight will be a buy spot on the Hornets. God help me. Uh, the Utah Jazz taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Jim, you like the money line. I don't have a, a whole lot of uh, – I don't think this one takes a, a genius to crack this code of why you're betting against the Nets given that they've <laughs> completely imploded. Utah was really bad on the road, but they've been much better lately. Uh, why do you like the Jazz on the money line? Well, you you read the script over here, so I'll I'll lead as you mentioned Brooklyn. You know that's that's half the cap here. They're fifteen and seventeen in the last, or sorry, five and seventeen. There's not a one in front of that. Five and seventeen in the last six weeks, including uh, losses straight up in five of their last seven home games. So they're not even really protecting home court. Uh, on the flip side of that, Utah since since Colin Sexton entered the starting lineup December thirteenth. They're eight and one against teams with losing records. Six of those wins coming on the road. So they are they're really taking care of business against the the bottom of the league right now. And the Nets at this point are in that bottom of the league tier, even if we all think that they're maybe a touch better than that. They they have they're certainly not performing like it right now. Um since Sexton entered the starting lineup in general, they're actually seventeen and seven and eight and six on the road. So that 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 lineup change along with marketing coming back um, from injury. This Jazz team is not like if you look at adjusted net rating for the the full season, these teams are right next to each other. So that, you know, kind of would actually make sense to have nets, maybe minus two and a half. I, I have it Jazz minus two and a half. And it, it is a lot on recent performance that is lost in a season long number when you look at that. Yeah, um, I've downgraded them significantly. I do love the over here in the spot. I've got this projected over 242 and a half. And I, I look, this is a two teams a bomb from three. And I don't know, Laurie Markkinen has some sort of camouflage lately where teams are just like not guarding him. 
just wild. like not and he's absolutely a flamethrower so volume three is uh i think this will be a, a pretty up tempo three-point volume contest uh i like the over any number that you'll find it in the market last one joe jared allen over 10 and a half rebounds as the cleveland cavaliers take on those red hot los angeles clippers yeah, I mean, Clippers have been incredible, um, and they've been doing it now without Avitsa Zubac. Uh, I think I pronounced it right. I'm trying. I, I keep trying to improve on yeah. that one. Um, yeah. So, uh, so they're they're stuck with Mason Plumley, and uh, that's not that's not really ideal for them, uh, especially against a guy like Jared Allen, who's such an elite rebounder. And when we look at Jared Allen, what he's been able to do, especially without Evan Mobley, and especially recently, he's really really improved his play um, over his last. 14 games he's exceeded this line so 14 straight games he's got 11 or more rebounds over that 14 game stretch he's averaging 14.1 rebounds on an incredible 21.4 potentials the 10 and a half i think is just too low he's not like an exciting guy to bet on um you know the Cavs are not like the most exciting market even right now to be betting on but it's been it's been a play it's been an angle he's really been getting his usage up he gets a lot he gets a lot of offensive boards he gets the defensive boards he gets the tip-ins you know he's going to be on the floor because of his defense he's not somebody that's going to be worked off of the floor um and especially without Mobley I think that role is a little bit more secure um you're not seeing them you know if they have to go to a one big type of lineup so I do like Allen in this spot he should be by far are the most dominant rebounding presence on the floor. Um, and I like him to go over the 10 and a half. It's just, it's a number he just continues to hit uh, with regularity um, over the last 14 games. Okay. So there's a healthy slate of, of games for you to pick from uh, our best bets. Jim Turvey, Utah Moneyline, Spurs minus three and a half versus the Wizards, Thunder minus two and a half versus the Wolves, Denver first quarter versus the Bucks. I've got Denver minus four in the Full game along with Joe. Joe also has that. Joe has OG Anobi over 18 and a half points. Jared Allen over 10 and a half rebounds. I've got over 232 and a half Utah Brooklyn. OKC minus two. Um, one more I will throw in there. I will probably wind up betting the Lakers um, just because the I don't think that the that where I have this number uh, accounts for how bad the Rockets have fallen off without the various injuries to them. They have been the same since Tari Eason got hurt. They just have not been the same. Um, I talked all year about, you know, hey, there's, there are these mirror teams that kind of get to de- December, and then they realize, like, oh, we're not very good. Say hello to your 2023-24 mirror team, the Houston Rockets, who looked like they might be a playoff team. And they're not going to be a playoff team. But, hey, they're going <laughs> to go over their win total, so good for them. This podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's talk Knicks. I can't believe I'm going to indulge in this Knicks Knicksness uh, with Knicks fans, but let's do it. Julius Randle gets hurt, uh, shoulder injury. Still, um, do we have a projected timeline for his absence, Joe? They didn't say anything yet. Uh, the most recent report that Woj said was still last night, and they said the the initial X-ray didn't show anything like sig- super significant. It looked like normal in terms of what they would expect for a dislocated arm or dislocated shoulder. Uh, they said that he got an MRI last night or so two nights ago, at, like immediately after the game on Saturday night. To me, the fact that I haven't heard anything at the time that we're recording this at 1030 Eastern time on Sunday makes me incredibly nervous because I feel like if it was good, we probably would have heard about something right now. And the fact that I haven't heard anything makes me think that maybe he's going to another doctor. Like, I I don't really know. Um, I'm very nervous to see what that report comes out as. Uh, I think that the Knicks can kind of hang for a bit, but I think the way that the East is kind of stepping up and a lot of teams have kind of improved, I, I definitely wouldn't want to see them drop into the play, and that's not a situation that you really want to to be in if you're in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this is from Jeff Stotts, in Street Clothes, who I absolutely trust on all things <laughs> injuries. Ari Julius Randall, the primary concern after a shoulder dislocation is the associated soft tissue damage, uh, like the labrum, which ended John Moran's season, which will ultimately d- dictate treatment options. Average time loss for in-season nondescript shoulder dislocations is 31 days, 11.7 games. Obviously, if you tore the labrum, that's it. Yeah. Okay, Jim, 
Julius Randle's really good. Like the fact that he's made All NBA several times, people just like gloss over that. And I'm like, it's hard to make All NBA guys. Like, that's hard to do. That's like All NBA is treated with a lot of respect by the voters. It's hard to get there. And he's a multiple time All NBA guy. I've liked Julius since he was a prospect. I used to call him T Rex arms because he's got these little tiny arms attached to this huge monster body. I like Julius a lot, and I think that in the right place, he can be really effective. By the way, all every indication I've gotten from talking to people on the read is like he's a really good guy to have around now. Like he's like a good veteran to have in the locker room. Am I wrong to think that if they if they could get Mitchell back or they could trade for a big, this might open up maybe some hyper optimization of Brunson, OG, and just like we're just going to run spread pick and roll with a lot of three-point range. Like, there have been games where Julius has had monster performances and they've lost in part because, like, they don't have as much of a math advantage. I really <laughs> like them running basically, hey, Jalen Brunson's going to be head of the snake, and then we're going to shoot a ton of threes and offensive rebound. That, to me, is a model I believe in. I have to downgrade them if Julius is out a long time. There are ways that this could be okay for them, despite Julius being a really good player. Do you agree? Yeah, I think regardless, this is going to be a, a really interesting test for the Knicks because they have hit a point where they're in a great groove. And I do think that from a zoomed out, like let's let's ignore this immediate injury and assume that it's closer, that, that he will return by the end of the season. I do think that this Knicks team actually is interesting. But I think we'll gather a lot of information in the next few weeks while he's out. Uh, we'll be able to see if they're able to maintain this without you know, their highest usage or second highest usage player in Randall. And I think, I think the really easy kind of like NBA hipster take is, is to kind of crap on Randall. I know Knicks fans constantly are crapping on Randall, but to a degree that happens because when he, when his effort fades, it's so obvious how important he is to this Knicks team, because when that effort isn't there or when he's missing shots, they suddenly look pretty bad. So I'm pretty curious to see if this Knicks team is able to handle this injury. Uh, I think you have a very Pollyannish view potentially of how it could play out. I'm a little bit a little bit more skeptical, which is why even though I do see the Knicks as a team that if they are fully healthy, if they get Mitchell back, if if they get Randall back and they are a fully healthy team going into the postseason, I think it's gonna be a team that I'm gonna have to, you know, either be betting series to series or maybe even look at a potential to win the conference bet because they match up well with a, a lot of teams. They match up decently with Boston. They've played Boston pretty well in the past. Having OG and Anobi to throw on uh, Tatum or Giannis or heck, even Embiid at this point, what he's shown he's been able to do. Um, th- this Knicks team is very interesting to me, but there is absolutely no need to bet any of it right now because A, you're about to potentially see the the them struggle without Randall. But even if they aren't, they're with, with Milwaukee, Philly, and Boston at the top of the conference, there is no way we enter the postseason with them shorter than 10 to 1, in my opinion. So why why not gather information, see if Mitchell mm-hmm. Robinson's coming back, see mm-hmm. how long Randall's injury is, see how they play without Randall, and still get basically the same number in, in yeah. three months. Yeah. Plus you get to okay. see where they line up in the bracket, which is close. So I, I want to get there. Exactly. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get there because that's like a really important thing I want to I want to talk about. But Joe, I want to get your thoughts on like, is this like a, they're screwed without Randall because now everyone's going to load up on Jalen Brunson and they don't have a second guy? Like, what are, you, what are your thoughts on like what the Knicks are going to look like here without Randall for a little bit? I think the biggest thing is going to be like having, which is I think is going to be tough because Tibbs like always likes to run his guys so much. Um, I do think that it's been important that Miles McBride played really well when uh he had when he had to fill in for a couple games like running point um so i think that that's important just so that maybe you don't have to run brunson 40 minutes a game um i do think that we've seen brunson be able to lead a team without other tools like when we saw uh what we saw him do with the mavericks when luca was out um we've seen him do it now with the knicks when julius randall's been out um i think that he's so good um and what he can do in terms of facilitating and getting his own shot and you know taking spot up shots when they're available to him i think that he's so good that it's going to elevate the team uh and additionally it's like he's a guy it's i think it'd be one thing it's like when you see it the other way around like when brunson's out and randall's the only guy it's a little bit different it doesn't feel right and i think that's because randall is not like 
he's not a point forward. Like it's he's it's not in his nature to run the offense. For Brunson, it's like yeah, like you lost another one of your best players. Maybe you lost like one of your favorite guys to pass to, or a guy that you trust to act to 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 finish on plays, um, or maybe create his own shot to give you a little bit of a break. But Brunson is a point guard. Uh, he can facilitate this offense. He can run this offense, and I think maximize and optimize the rest of the roster. Uh, I do think that it helps, you know, like the Nova Knicks type of thing. I do think it helps that, you know, he's played with a lot of these guys for many years. So, like, there is a little bit of continuity there. You know, it's just in that familiarity. I, I Like, I'm not going to bury the Knicks, um, obviously. Uh, I do think that, obviously, if Randall's out for the playoffs, that's a major, major problem. Um, and, you know, maybe that's something that really forces the Knicks' hand in terms of maybe saying, like, like, hey, like, let's go and try to make a trade. Let's try to do something now. We feel good about this season. Um, but e- even then, I think that there's plenty of op- there's plenty of opportunity for Brunson to help optimize the roster. You know, see what exactly OG Ananobi can do in a bigger offensive role, um, and you know, just see where maybe they need to fill in a guy. Like, do you need a three and D guy? Do you need uh, do you need like another scorer? Like, can OG be that, or do you need another guy that can really elevate his game to do so? Um, I-, I think that it's an opportunity for New York, and like, if you were gonna have an injury of this magnitude where a guy's going to be out for maybe for probably at least a month would you not want it to be when the all-star breaks coming in february yeah yeah the seating thing is really important because one of the reasons that i've kind of hit like a roadblock is i was like i don't see the knicks finishing worse than fifth before the randall injury i was like i don't see them finishing worse than fifth and i don't think that that the um celtics give up the one seed and the one team i don't like the knicks versus is the celtics because they can switch everything and they'll play them a little bit differently and i think that'll be like and they can match them with firepower and you got porzingis and like i just don't like that matchup as much for them i i but it's like hey if they fall to six i actually think that's great they'll face either milwaukee or philadelphia both teams run drop scheme that's perfect Jalen will tear that shit up like those are series i want to bet the the knicks in and they could have a real chance of going through both those teams and actually making conference finals. But to Jim's point, if I'm right, and and the Knicks do fall to six, which gives them more value, the number will also get worse because they fell to six and they're no longer the fourth best team uh, in the Eastern Conference or or or, uh, or fifth or or in that range. So uh, yeah, wait on the injury, see where they're at, and then I. But I will say, like, if we get late in the season, I won't be on talking about this. If we're late in the season, if it's the end of March and I'm like, oh, the, the Knicks are definitely going to be the six, there's no chance that they're four or five. They're going to be six. I will probably start looking at Knicks futures at that point. That's where I'm going to want them because I do love that matchup. And I love it not just for one series because if it's one series, you can just bet the series. We'll talk about the rollover value versus betting them long term yeah. and what it would be like to have a Knicks ticket in a conference finals appearance. Uh, all right. Last thing before we go. Uh, I was at the game on Saturday. 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 Got up. Spent time with my kids. Had some cereal, got a cup of coffee, just chores around the house for the wife, and then off I go. Do to do to do. My whole Saturday's gone, but it's all right. You know why? Because I'm going to get the MVP showdown. I'm going to get to see Joel Embiid finally play a game in Denver. <laughs> Not on the injury report. Should be a great time. The arena, the arena is electric. There's so much energy in there. There's so much excitement. It's going to be great. Oh, Tyrese Maxey and, and Tobias Harris aren't playing. Well, that sucks. Okay, now it's it's. But you know what? We're still going to get Embiid. It's tough for him, but he's going to have like a, a a very justifiable excuse if they if they lose in a very tough environment. And then five minutes before tip, Adrian Wojnarowski reports that Joel Embiid is out. I have not gotten to talk about this. I have a column up that you can read on Action Network. The number one thing I actually want to say here is the Sixers throwing their training staff under the bus here is bullshit because anyone that covers this league, anyone that covers this league knows that if Joel Embiid did not have a tear, which he does not. If he does not have a tear, Joel Embiid can be like, no, I'm playing. I, I hear you. I appreciate your concern. I'm playing in this basketball game. That's not me saying that. Players have said that. Like, you can do the work, okay? If Joel Embiid wanted to play in that game, he could. Now, I'm not disputing he got hurt. He got banged up versus the Pacers. Fine. But the minute that happened, if it was that bad, if the swelling was that bad, why is he not on the injury report? Did the Philadelphia 76ers, who list him as questionable every goddamn game of the year, just forget to check. Team official tells Ramona Shelburne of ESPN, Ramona's got a great working relationship with his representatives of CAA. Tells Ramona Shelburne it's going to happen. He's not going to be on the injury report. And then he doesn't play. 
Hasn't played there since 2019. The goddamn pandemic happened since then. It's fine. It's fine. I wrote a column, though. You can read it. And my question is genuinely, what are voters going to do with a guy that openly mocked everybody? ABC game. Everyone's excited. Flew out ESPN. Lots of folks there. Lots of excitement. Big primetime spot. League's trying to say the stars are going to play. And he mocked it. Came out fourth quarter. Doesn't come out until fourth quarter. Comes out in the fourth quarter and like riles up the crowd. Uh, look, it's fine. And again, I'll tell you, if you want like, can you give Joel Embiid some credit? He whipped Joker's ass in Philadelphia. He wound up a zero and Jokic minus a plus one. But he outplayed him in terms of the, the, the game stats. And he dominated. One of the best games of the season was a bet stream that I did with Minnesota versus Philadelphia. He was the best player on that court by a mile. He dominated on both ends. Joel has been amazing at home. He has three road games versus teams over 500 this season. One in the season opener versus the Bucks, one versus the Oklahoma City Thunder and Chet Holmgren, who's 208 fucking pounds, and one versus the Indiana Pacers the other night. They lost. I think the way that you conduct yourself matters. I think the respect that you have for the game matters, and I don't think that there's been an adequate amount. Now, that doesn't mean he's not MVP because when he's been on the floor, when he's played, mostly versus the Wizards and Victor Wembanyama, he's been amazing. Jim, I'll ask you this. He is now at, he's got seven games left. He's at 11 games missed, depending, he's questionable for the game on Portland on Monday, which would be very interesting to see if he plays. We're getting real, like, it's tight. He's definitely on pace to go way, way over. I'm making the argument in a column I'm writing, you can't really predict what's going to happen. You don't know how, what he wants to do. You don't know if he wants to hit 65 exactly. You don't know if he wants to miss way more, but have the stats where it's like he would have won. If not, have... I don't think you can factor that in when you're making these bets. It almost freezes the market in a way where I don't know that you can adequately really kind of get your brain around how to bet this from any sort of angle. Because I don't think you can anticipate what the team, Joel, or anyone associated is going to do the rest of the way out with the seven remaining games. So I'll say, I'll say, I'll lead with this, a caveat. Uh, a, a grain of salt that's the size of a large boulder that's the size of a small boulder or whatever that that uh, tweet was. Uh, I I this is I feel like I'm taking crazy pills on a daily basis with this because I I really don't feel like I can get a read on this after he ducked that game, which as an Embiid supporter was mortifying. It truly was his his number basically didn't move in the MVP race. So my my take all season has been. I truly think Joel Embiid, he, he talked early in his career about how he looked at the greats and he studied the history. And I, I think he is a very smart, very big picture player who yeah. knew that he needed an MVP on his mantle to go down as one of the true, true greats. And I think he sold himself too thin for multiple seasons, but he got it. And this season, everything you hear from him, even after the 70 point game, he his first comments were it doesn't matter at all. Like I, He truly is on to the bigger picture in my mind. This is how, but again, I have. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I can't read this situation at all. I feel like he is truly putting the emphasis on the postseason this year, which is why at the beginning of the season, I said, I don't want him for MVP because I think he is going to be fine resting during the regular season and making sure he is healthy for the postseason. If he is not, it, it will be one of the biggest losses I've had because I, I have defended him for going for the MVP in, in seasons past and then it burning him in the postseason. He has the MVP now. If he sells out to get it again and he lands right on 65 and he plays through a couple of nagging injuries late in season, I'm done with him. But I do think that he truly has the bigger picture right now and that he he has his MVP Jim, now. Jim, Jim, he said that he's not going for the MVP the last two seasons. He has done... Not always, it, not always. No, yes, he has. He has said, I don't care. To Sham Sharani of the Athletic last March and Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated two years ago. But you could read between the time. lines, though. You could read between the lines of him nitpicking him at Jokic after game. He, like he did yes. all this stuff that was so yeah, great. He clearly right. cared. Why are you falling for it now? Because I, I, I I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, but I do <laughs> truly think in the, in that he, I just the comments feel different. If you're seeing on a day day, he that they they do feel genuinely different. I think. I, I agree, maybe, but to me, it's like he's making a mockery of this entire thing. I think is part oh, of for it. sure. Like he, it, it's a terrible. You, it was a terrible, terrible, terrible look. If you watch the Spurs game, go back and watch the Spurs game where he scored seventy. And like, look, there's been thousands of NBA players, and they'll never score fifty, let alone seventy points. He battled in that game, like he was like. 
fighting for rebounds and like trucking ever. Now it was easy because it's Zach Collins and Victor literally, he has 80 pounds on Victor. Those are the listed numbers. Um, but he domped, like he, he was rabid. And like, I, I wrote a column that kind of gave him credit. Cause I was like, look, there are certain people that I think appreciate a guy that, that sees an advantage and wants to do, to be that you can call him a bully or you can call him ruthless. Right. And like, we love that ruthlessness in, in our athletes. So like, it's just a matter of perspective, Joe, I don't know how to bet this thing. My only, I just continue to look at it and just be like, I don't know, man, I think Shay's had the second best season and he's third best. And if Joe, if Joel doesn't win, I think Shay's going to win it and Shay's still a longer number. So I just continue to be like, you should just bet Shay. And that's all I got. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on betting Shay. I I like Shay. I think that he's been awesome. I think that there's a pretty decent chance that Oklahoma City has the number one seed and, you know, potentially could even have the number one record in the NBA. Um, And I think like if you look at it from that perspective and like if the voters really do get a chance to look at it and they say like, look, like Shay's not missing games. He's all world on both sides of the ball on offense and defense. You're seeing this team that's it's this team is going to be better than Embiid's just flat out better um, no matter how you cut it Uh, so I think that you know like if it does get really close and Embiid has six more back-to-backs coming up for the rest of the season is he gonna play through those I don't I don't know like so I, I think that given the fact that the market you know has like I think that if Embiid like actually played like every game for the rest of the season probably should win MVP. Um, I think that what he's been doing on the court has been so dominant. Um, it, it's been really impressive, regardless of who he's playing. But oh, I do I, think... I want to I well, ask you that. I actually do want to yeah. ask you that. Because like, op- like, I am genuinely open on this. It doesn't matter to you. He averages 39 points at home versus teams under 500. That's including the 70-point game. Yeah. He averages 30, I think six is what I had pulled the number at for when he faces teams under 500 on the road. Um, He should score less versus the good teams. They're good. Yeah. Like they, they're better defensive teams. But my question for you is like, if it's very apparent that he targets playing in certain matchups, does that matter to you? Uh, Not necessarily. I think it goes to the ruthlessness thing that you kind of said. Like, I think that, I think that sitting in this game, this particular game against Jokic, if this happened in April, forget it. It's over. He's not winning. It ha- it's happening in January. And I think yeah. that by the time like it great, comes back around, point. I don't I don't think that people are going to care. They're gonna, like it's going to be yeah. like people like we're like we're going to be yelling at the clouds and being like we sat against Jokic in Denver again. And people are going to be like I don't care that was in January, you know, like yeah. if he if he just if he smashes because like that's the way that people think about like a lot of things with awards. It's like recency yeah. bias. So I mean, if he if he plays and plays enough games, like I think that this it's weird, but I feel like instituting the 65 game requirement gave a minimum. And it's like if you hit the minimum, then you can win the award and you didn't miss too. Yeah. That's like how I that, felt too. Or I've wondered instead, like if Jokic plays 77 or Shea plays 77 and Joel plays 65, the voters are going to have an out to be like, look, they set the limit. He had to pass the limit. He played the limit. Even though it's like there are going to be people that are like, but the other guy played 12 more games. That's valuable. Yeah. He played in all these matchups. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're right. Like with that, um, like if, if it's really close and I think it's close, right? Like I think it's close with Embiid and Shea and Jokic. But I it's, think, that- you know, it's interesting. I looked at the numbers today um, and they're not as dominant as I thought they were. Embiid's literally having the best scoring season of all time. Like yeah. just so we're clear on this. If we're just talking about per 100 possessions scoring, Embiid is literally going to have the best scoring season since Wilt. Like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. This, yeah, like he's on pace for like it's he's pat, he's ahead of Harden right now for per 100 possessions since Jordan. And like I, when you get to that level, it's just like, I don't know what else you want. Like, points. he's scoring like a minute, a point per minute, which is yeah. insane. Like it, yeah. the, the number's insane. Like and I think that that's so, like, you know, part of it. A lot of my like the reason I get amped up about this stuff is because. I don't find the conversations that we hold for certain players to be equal. And that's a lot of it. And I do think that I do ever, I do. There is a part of me that is bothered by he's missed games versus the Celtics, the wolves, the heat and the nuggets on the road. Those are four games that he was not available. Now, some of those, he was just hurt. Like you just, he, he gets hurt. I get that. I get that. 
it just doesn't look good when he is available when he faces certain he's he's doesn't miss the games versus the Wizards with knee soreness. He's available for those. And that to me is tough, Jim, with trying to understand like how do I rationalize what the numbers look like when I know what his games played profile is? Well, it's really funny because I am the Embiid big picture backer, but I actually am very much on the opposite side of this. I I think it's a very fraudulent MVP case, and I'm very confused as to why he is leading it, to be honest. Because so mm-hmm. if we go to estimated plus minus, he is leading in, in EPM right now. But if we go yep. to estimated wins, which combines the games played aspect to this, which is what actually matters, he drops down to fourth place. And I do think it very much matters that he... Those numbers you said per 100 possessions, we've we've come along in our analysis so that we we know adjustments. We don't just say he's averaging X amount of points per game because we know pace dictates a lot of that. We should absolutely weight the opponent, and he is 100% picking and choosing his opponents this season. And I absolutely think that should ding him. And this is where I come back to. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. There are just there is no logic year to year. Again, I was the person who last year I was fine with voting for Embiid, which I know drew many eye rolls because Jokic, I didn't want to give him a third straight because he hadn't won the finals. And I, but now, now I can't use that same logic to give it to Embiid, even though he hasn't even reached the conference finals. So for me, logically, I'm like, there is no way on planet Earth Embiid can get it with if I use the logic I used last year, which I am bringing through. That that is consistent for me, which is why. I have felt like I'm taking crazy pills this whole time with Embiid being the favorite in the MVP, beating up these cream cake teams. Those numbers aren't real. They're real, but they're say, not They're not adjusted. I, I will say a lot of this for me is like, I think Shea has the new guy on the block interest. I think a lot of the staff nerds are going to go for him. I think he's going to have a lot of momentum. Um, I don't know that there's enough, like they're going to have to get, they have to get the one seed for him to have the narrative. Yeah. And that, that might be really like, if Embiid's not eligible, because Shea is battling the everyone knows Embiid. And like, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I also, Embiid is a guy that is just defying all sorts of, um, the logic only applies in certain instances, which is why yeah. I've had a hard time with it. Or last year it was, well, you got to win in the postseason. But Joel's never done that. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's the part that's like, yeah. what, what are Yo- we doing? Jokic has to win in the postseason to win three. <laughs> but Embiid can win one if he hasn't. Okay, so like, all right, if Shea hasn't made the playoffs, can yeah. he win? You know, and it's like, well, no, like you need to have postseason success. Okay, so it's Joker, even though Joker's probably been, in my opinion, the third best. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what the next straw poll shows. We'll see how it goes. For right now, I would tell you the MVP market is extremely volatile still, and you can just wait and see if MVP plays enough games, and then we'll figure it out from there. Uh, My thanks to Jim Turvey and Joe DeLara. You can catch them on Twitter. Joe's at Joe DeLara. Jim is at TurveyBets in the Action Network app and on Twitter. Make sure to check out YouTube.com slash The Action Network. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, for getting this up, as well as Hutton Jackson, the video crew, for getting this up on YouTube.com slash The Action Network with lots of video content getting you set for the big game. Have yourselves a great night. Uh, I'm off tomorrow night. I'll see you again on Tuesday. Sean Lill will be with you tomorrow night for Best Bets. We'll talk to you then. Until next time, skip buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.